Our text for this fifth Sunday of Easter from St. John, the 15th chapter, no branch, John writes, Jesus says, can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is our text. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, what makes great men great? Throughout history, many have pondered what it is that makes the great men and women of history great. Is it determination, a firm resolve despite the odds and opposition, perhaps? Timing? Being in the right place at the right time? Maybe. Conviction unshaken no matter what the conflict, no matter what the challenge, well could be. There's one commonality, though, among the great men and the great women of history that often evades those searching for the answers for what makes for greatness. Maybe it escapes them because it is so obvious. The one thing... The one thing that every great man and every great woman throughout history has possessed without exception is a mother. Now is it really dear mom that makes for the doers and the deeds of greatness? Well, at least one giant of history thinks so. French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte was reported once to have said the future destiny of a child is in the work of a mother. And he's not alone, too. Napoleon's not alone. Listen also to what one of the men who had perhaps one of the greatest impacts on the last millennium, Thomas Edison, said about his mother. Edison, inventor of such world-altering innovations and, uh, as the incandescent light bulb and so on, Edison said, I didn't, much, I, didn't, I didn't have my mother long, he writes, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all my life. If it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have become an inventor. Edison continues, I was always a careless boy, and with a mother of a different mental caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness and her sweetness and her goodness were potent powers to keep me in the right path. My mother, he says, was the making of me. Not to discredit the father's, But perhaps Edison's got a point here. Whether we consider a mother's tender touch or her love-born resolve to see that we learn what she knows we need to, to learn and know, or whether simply because you and I draw our life from our mothers and find our first shelter and earthly home in her womb, whichever, Edison's tribute to his mother can well be appreciated by any and all of us today on this Mother's Day. Apart from our mothers, where would we be? Well, Jesus speaks today also of full and utter dependence. He illustrates it, though not in the terms of a mother, the relationship of a mother to her child, but an association involving just as much dependence, that of a, of a vine, to its branches. You see, just like familial Branches of a family tree are are fully dependent upon the life-giving limbs of ancestors lower on the tree. A natural branch can't begin to exist without drawing life from the vine. I am the vine, Christ said in 
and you are the branches, and apart from me you can do nothing. We may wonder about that, though. As we look around and see many people having nothing at all to do with Christ who seem very much alive and seem rather fruitful in their prospering, with paid-off, perhaps palatial palaces, more and nicer automobiles to drive investments, yet somehow thriving, yet in this economy with bountiful return, it would seem gadgets and gears to enhance living in every aspect of life. When we consider these fruits of labors, we might well wonder, well, what does he mean apart from me? You can do nothing. It would seem many are doing quite well apart from him. Or we may consider the generous amounts of money and time and the arduous efforts of secular charitable organizations and disaster relief groups. And we might second guess what our Lord says, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Christ, though, Christ, though, speaks here of things, of course, spiritual, not worldly. You work hard to cultivate things in this world, and your efforts, by God's goodness, your efforts might well bear much earthly fruit, and still, and still you've borne no real fruit. You see, the earthly fruit of wealth and health spoils almost as quickly as it's produced and yielded. And there's no preservative, is there, that'll keep any of it past the few days of this earthly life. Neither is the largest donation, if not done in faith, from one who is believing in faith. Neither is the largest donation of the most generous benefactor, real spiritual fruit born for its beginning and its end, if not given, if not done by one who has faith in Christ. Its beginning and its end is not in glorifying the Father. And as scripture says, whatever is not from faith is sin. There's no real fruit because that which is spiritually without life can't bear, can't bear spiritual fruit. Now you well know from perhaps watching your own fruit trees grow that any fruit is fully dependent upon a living branch. But what's natural man's spiritual state? By birth and nature, not living. Says scripture, not living. No, Paul says you were dead. Picture in your minds a dead branch. You were dead in trespasses and sin. And mind you, this not just only for a while, or only I should say after a while, but from your dear mother's womb you were, weren't you? For the psalmist says... I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me from conception. Not connected with Christ the vine, a dead, fruitless branch. Busy as bees, though one may be working for the, the world's perishable fruit, Scripture tells us exactly and sadly where sin leaves anyone not connected to the vine. Christ said it today in the Gospel reading, withered. Withered, lifeless, despite any outward appearance. And our Lord, he tells us today, too, what becomes of dead and fruitful branches. He says such branches are picked up, he says, and thrown into the fire and burned. Thomas Edison today reminds us to ask the question, where would we be without our mothers? Well, Jesus Christ today reminds us to ask ourselves, where are we if not connected to the vine? Well, take heart, 
all you baptized, because you're connected. You're connected. Not by your own choice, mind you. Not by your own choice. Just like, just like you had nothing to do, nothing at all to do with drawing life from your mother. You neither thought about nor decided to connect yourself in your mother's womb to that life-giving, life-sustaining, nourishing umbilical cord. And yet the connection was made completely apart from your will. And this is how you and I are connected to the vine as well. Jesus said, in the same context of our text, he said to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We didn't choose to be living branches connected to the vine, and yet by baptism we are and we live. And how vital, truly, how vital this connection is. A connection made in, in baptism in the day our, our Lord lovingly took you, took me, once dead in our sin, and by water and word grafted you onto the living vine. You and, now, you and I now by baptism connected. Connected to the vine which is rooted deep in the fertile soil of Calvary. Calvary's cross. Christ crucified. For what does Paul say? He says you were, were buried With him in baptism, you you were tapped into the cross. Buried with him in baptism, in which you, you also were raised with him, Paul writes, through faith. And you, being dead in your trespasses, he's made alive together with him. Grafted together with him. Alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. Rooted in Calvary. Alive in Christ. That's how we're made to be. So Jesus says, remain in me. You heard him say today, remain in me and I will remain in you. Already by baptism, having been connected. How then are we kept connected to the vitality of that vine? You know. You know, you hear it preached and said here often and and because it's so important. We're nourished and strengthened by a regular fertilizer of God's Word, read and heard preached. And I tell you, no branch is is too seasoned. No sprig or shoot is, is too freshly sprung that it won't and it can't and it wouldn't be enriched by, by the regular nourishing feed of God's Word. And it's in the supper too, the supper that you hear so often receive, that all the nutrients, life enriched, forgiveness enriched, Christ enriched, the mineral deposits, if you will, of Christ's cross all flow from from the vine to His branches, strengthening us, as we say, in, in faith toward Him, strengthening the bond, in faith toward Him, and in fervent and and fruitful love toward one another. And because it's through word and sacrament that our Lord keeps us connected to Him, it's vital that we don't, through careless apathy or disinterest, cut ourselves off from them. Consider the once somewhat careless, perhaps, gardener, who was a bit hurried in his yardly trimming duties, a bit distracted too by other things going on in life at the time, in his haste and you might say his inattentiveness he one day severed he, this day this particular day he severed a particular shoot from the vine 
He didn't realize what he'd done at first until some days later when he, he noticed that this once luscious, green, verdant branch was becoming a bit brown and brittled. And then soon, days after, this, this branch having been fully severed from the vine so that no precious nutrients could be delivered to it was, was all shriveled up and had died. He learned his lesson. It's one worth sharing with you here today. Be not distracted, nor preoccupied. Stay connected. Through these word, through this word, through the sacrament, this lifeline Christ freely gives. Stay connected to the vine at all costs. For apart from him you can do nothing. But enabled by this, this vine grafting grace of Christ. Abiding now in him a branch will indeed bear much fruit. It will. Of course, it's right here that our minds always tend to dart away from, from, from focusing on the vine and to start inspecting the, our, our branch, the branch of, of fruit. What have I borne? Have I borne enough? How much is it? But should we? Should we recast our focus to the branch and take it off the vine? It's like the fictitious exchange between a man and a great fruit tree where the man says to the, to, the, to the tree, this grand fruit tree, he says, what beautiful and abundant fruit. What beautiful and abundant fruit. You must delight in it. To which the tree responds, no, sir, I don't, I don't relish. I don't relish in it. I don't relish in my fruits. Others do. Others can. Perhaps. I relish in the soil in which I'm planted, in the sun which shines upon me with the water that makes me grow. The fruit just comes. That's true for, for us all, too. Because remember what Paul wrote? He said, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think of God's creatures. The sun he created to shine in the sky. You don't have to tell it to shine. It just shines. And the clouds he created to rain. And think of the new creatures in Christ. Moms he created to mother and to nurture. And dads to father and craftsmen to craft. And security watchmen to watch. And judges to judge and caregivers to give care. And pastors to preach and hearers to hear. Teachers to teach, students to learn, cooks to cook, cleaners to clean, mechanics to fix, neighbors to respect and look out for their neighbors, and we do. And we just do. All bearing good fruit, equally good fruit, where God has planted us to be fruitful. How can we help it? You see, when we're connected to the vine. One last thought today. Remember this always. You fruit-bearing branches all, you will be pruned. You will be pruned. Jesus promised it. Every branch, he said, of mine that does bear fruit, the fatherly vine dresser prunes. I mentioned some weeks ago some, some paw prints, some particular paw prints that I had seen in a mission uh, in San Juan Batista. And I, as I was reminded, they're also at Mission Santa Clara, too. And I learned this from our, our resident expert on California missions. Well, I also learned 
quite a bit recently in talking to another resident expert of ours on grape growing. Fascinating. When it, when it comes to pruning, sometimes the cutting must be deep. In order to tame wild and wayward growth and to concentrate the precious nutrients into the branch and into its fruit for a more luscious and a more ample yield or crop, often the branch has to be pruned way back to near the vine. Deep cuts. You know those well too, don't you? Deep cuts. Deep cuts in life. Deep cuts that hurt. A miscarriage. An all too quickly advancing disease. Marital betrayal that leaves you not able to trust. Irreversible infertility. Having to bury a son or a daughter. The pruning can be deep. And it hurts so that tears drip like sap. But what might seem like God's indiscriminate hacking is really, I tell you, an expert vine dresser at work. And not only for our own good, mind you, not only for our own good, but for, so that more fruits of love which are, are meant for others to enjoy might be born. Consider this. Consider what St. Paul says. He says, Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in all, all of our tribulation." that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Why the pain of your miscarriage? So that you, knowing its hurt, and the God-comforted healing, so that you will be able to comfort the young would-be mother that one day will weep over it. Why have you been left a widow or widower for years? So that in Christian love you can share a piece of comforting fruit with the one who became a widower just a month ago or perhaps just a week ago. He prunes, God prunes with tender precision that we might bear more fruit. Apart from him you can do nothing. Graciously grafted to him. And by word and sacrament kept connected to him, we thrive. Thanks be to the vine from a church full of grateful branches. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.